share in a situation like this is very, very unnatural for me. And so uh, as I was preparing this particular week in the last couple of weeks, I find it rather strange that I have been given the opportunity to come and just share a little in God's Word. Now, over this last year and even the year before 2014, 2015, um, they've been very hard years. They've been some of those years that we want to forget a lot of things. But in those hard times, there are also those times there where God tests us. Tests us as uh, individuals, tests us as married couples, tests us as really whānau, really, and how we come through those particular times. When 2015 is finished, I think I'll be pleased, but we go into 2016. A couple of months ago, the elders asked Brother Bruce to come and share, and Brother Bruce came through and took the pulpit here. And like me, he is another one of those guys who wasn't used to coming up front and to share and to talk. He spoke a lot about the, uh, the, the events that had happened when him and the boys went away for the weekend and what had happened after he had shot his son and all those things that went on in that area there. And as he spoke on those things and he brought us through that story and some of us had been privileged through the year to be part of uh, Bruce and Raywin's family and going through that situation with them. And we knew these things. But when he was sharing, it was almost like it was. We know those things, and yet it still affects us. And he spoke about those things. He spoke about how Brett ran for that four and a half hours, slept a little, rested a little, and then get, kept moving just for the sake of his uh, younger brother. Now, all through that talk there that... Brother Bruce had been going through, the one thing that stood out in my mind was God's sovereign grace. It was just amazing, the sovereign rule of God, that he had absolutely everything in control. And when the time that they were in at that particular time looked absolutely useless, God's already there. And so that brought uh, Michelle and I to a place really that for us in times that seem really impossible, you're in a pit, he brings you out of those pits. Puts you back on the rock and says, you've got work to do, carry on. So that was a, a thought that had run through my mind. Now, I don't know how many times I have read Romans chapter 12. I cannot remember the times. I know that when I'm going through scripture and I'm doing study, whatever it is, for some reason, I always turn to Romans chapter 12, and I just read it. Not to study, but just to read. It's almost one of those chapters that if you have a favorite chapter, this would have to be mine. One of those chapters where it takes you through there, and it's, it's just lovely. And then I carry on and just leave it back in that particular point there. And in the areas that we have within our lives of study, Romans chapter 12, I guess I have done very, very little study on the chapter. So when it comes to reading it a lot, I've read it a lot. When it comes to understanding its absolute full capacity that it has there for us in practical living and practical Christian living and our relationship to God and in our relationship with one another as a, as a group of believers and in our, in our relationship at the end of chapter 12, 
with those that we have a very, very hard time with. And I think Warren Wesby puts it as relationship with our enemies. Romans chapter 12 is one of those chapters that when you're going through it and you start reading it, you wouldn't even have to put it on the screen. Most people here would be able to recite Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. In my Bible, it goes like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, for this is your reasonable service. The beginning of my Bible has that word beseech. I'm glad that's come up. I've always loved that word. You know, when you come into, you look at a word, it has, it's just a word, it's an old English word. In the Collins Dictionary, beseech means to ask earnestly. To ask, don't smile at me, Dylan. <laughs> to ask with a passion. To just, I beseech you. You know, just, and I love the way it comes off your lips and you have to move your lips around to say to it, I beseech. It's just the word that gets me started in the 12th chapter of Romans. The other version I think that I've read is I urge. So there's, a, there's an importance here and an urgency here that Paul is giving to his readers. I beseech you. Now if you use any other word, there's nothing wrong with that. This is not a word that you use, and it's the only word you should use in Romans chapter 12. It's a word that I actually like. And when I start off in Romans chapter 12, when I see I beseech you, it sort of puts me in the zone. I sort of enjoy it because it says, I beseech, and I just love the use of the word. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So now we'll come to a more grouped area here. I beseech, I urge, I ask you earnestly, brethren. It starts us off on our journey through into this Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. With that particular part there, I guess if you wanted to and you wanted to talk with someone in that first line there, you could say, I beseech you, therefore, Sunday school leaders. Would that be appropriate, Mr. Linton? Or I beseech you, therefore, Sunday school teachers. I urge you, I want you to listen. I urge you greatly. Maybe for us as a congregation, I beseech you, therefore, Hukunui. There's just that urgency and that earnest of, I want to share something amazing with you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That in itself is a huge subject. No way I could come up with anything with that. It's just... A vast, vast subject. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Some of the songs we sing, we use mercy. Oh, the mercy of God, to the praise of his glorious name. And there's an old chorus we used to sing, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This uh, part here, I want to refer to some other verses. I guess John 3.16 will give you God's mercy. John 3.17 will give you God's mercy. And that he didn't send his son to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Romans 5 and 6 to 8 reads as thus. 
Romans 5, 6 to 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. God's mercy is abundantly clear and amazing. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body holy as a living sacrifice. The thing with sacrifice, especially as you go through the New Testament, and I read that word, a living sacrifices, to me, sacrifices generally shed blood, and then after that, they're dead. Paul writes in here, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I like the way they've put some of these terminologies through, and I was thinking about Peter's one when he says in First Peter um, that you are living stones. Not just a rock that's just here, but a living stone. That's one that I've always enjoyed. But a living sacrifice is something that has depth to it. Let's just look at a scripture in through there, please, in. And I've forgotten to write it down. First Corinthians chapter six. Come with me, please, into First Corinthians chapter six. Chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty. First Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price? Therefore God glorif glorif therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So as a living sacrifice, our bodies are the temple of the living spirit. We belong to God. And so when Paul urges us to come through, it's not just you, your body. It belongs to God. You belong to God. We have something we need to do. We have things we need to sort out. Let's do it. I urge you, therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable. Where do we stand in our lives when we uh, come up with that part there, holy and acceptable? Am I holy and am I acceptable? Well, on the surface of things, for me personally, it would be a no because I don't come up to those sort of areas there. But in God's absolute amazing grace, all those things which we have done wrong, as far as the east is from the west, are gone. And so we hand everything over to God holy and acceptable to him. First Peter 9 and chapter 2. You could skip through that for us, please, Jonathan. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Peter writes here, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should that ye should show forth the praises of him 
who has called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. We are a chosen generation and we have been grafted into that particular tree. The root sustains us and holds us and Christ is our rock on who we stand. And God's great love through this part of being holy and acceptable to him is for his service. And the end of that particular verse one is, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. For this is your reasonable service, is what my Bible says. In another version I read, this is your spiritual service. This is something that we love doing. We were praying here this morning, and in Gary's prayer, uh, prior to everyone coming through, he prayed, Lord, this is not a work we do, this is something we enjoy doing. You know, when the days of old, prior to being a Christian, and that's a long, long time ago now, I did the things I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do them, wherever I wanted to do them. Now, as a 36-year-old Christian, and that sounds a lot more younger than being a 54-year-old man because my wife is smiling at me. As a 36-year-old Christian, I do the things that I enjoy doing. The psalmist wrote, Delight yourself therefore in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That delight yourself in the Lord for me is something that I enjoy reading. Delight myself in the Lord. Enjoy doing the things the desires of my heart, what are they? To be in his service. To do the things that he wants me to do. And to do the things I enjoy doing. I enjoy being in fellowship. I enjoy being in fellowship. And I enjoy being in fellowship. Enjoy doing the work when young people are doing outreach programs. I enjoy listening to the Sunday school productions when they come through. I enjoy listening through to my children go through their uh, memory verses how they get on through with them. In all Christian walk, this is my reasonable service to do the work that God has given to us. The um, psalmist also wrote that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Let's read together again. Romans chapter 12 together. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we are many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ." and in everyone's members, one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the portion of faith, or ministry, 
it has quiet when I'm ministering. Or teaching, let him teach. He who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honour, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, reverent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, Tim, if your enemy is hungry, what do we do? Feed him. Caitlin, if our enemy is thirsty, what do we do? Give him a drink. Thank you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That last verse is uh, it's quite a hard verse. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And the way that it has been put in that I look at that particular verse is back in verse 2. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and a perfect will of God. We have the privilege now to go into an open time of worship where we give thanks to God. We have that opportunity once a week where we come together and we break bread. Those things have been given to us as a reminder of our Saviour's sacrifice for us. But more than that, when we take that cup, it tells us of that blood that was shed for us and that freshness and that reality that he lives. No longer in the grave, but seated at the right hand of God. Harry's going to come through now and he's going to take us through a song and we are going to go into open worship. Brothers, let us give thanks to our God. Mm -hmm.